This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 662 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by EquestrianCollections.com. Hi, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is about the training agenda. It is an excerpt from the Horses in the Morning Show, episode number 433. Retired racehorse trainer challenge 2012 winner Eric Dirks talks about training agendas and how to keep them from holding you and your horse back. But first, let's hear from today's sponsor, Equestrian Collection. Hi, Glenda Geek here, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. And we're going medical this week, aren't we? Yes, we are. I wanted to feature the Vetricin Wound and Infection Hydrogel. All of this Vetricin stuff is really good. I, it's amazing. And not only do I know that it works, but all of my Facebook friends go nuts over this stuff. And the reason I'm featuring the Hydrogel this week is because it has a different thing going for it that some other ones of these don't. It's expensive, but it's worth it. This hydrogel stuff, you spray it on like it was liquid, and it comes out like a liquid. But when it comes out, it's a very light gel, so that when you put it in the wound, it actually sticks to the wound. It doesn't you know, like drip down. Like, so mm-hmm. if you have a wound that's up underneath or one that's hard to get to, you can use this and you can get a really good covering of the wound with the hydrogel. I have not had anyone who I have heard that has used this that hasn't come back and said, oh my goodness, this is the best thing ever. You can use this on all your furry friends and feathered friends. You can use it on horses, dogs, cats, birds. It's just amazing, and it's clean stuff. I would highly recommend it. Give it a try. And I know the one nice thing about the Vetricin uh, is that you can use it in, in areas that are flexible, your joints and yes. ankles and knees and things like that, and it provides that extra barrier even for flies and things as well, too. Yeah, that, you know what? I had uh, exactly that. I had a little cut on my mare's uh, on the inside of her hawk, and every time she would walk, she would pull that thing open, and I got this stuff and used it, and within just a week, it was it was healed. I I can't say enough about it. I would definitely try it. Keep it in your um, tack room. Keep it in your uh, first aid kit uh, when you're on the road as well. Just go to equestriancollections.com and search for Hydrogel, H-Y-D-R-O-G-E-L, and you'll find the Vetricin Wound and Infection Hydrogel, and you can pick up a bottle of it there. And now, enjoy today's tip. Eric Dirks is the... Kind of now you're the you're kind of the expert, Eric, as far as training off the track thoroughbreds. I mean, am I right? Wow, I, that's a that's a cool title to have. Thanks you got a lot, Glenn and Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you were the the winner of the uh, of the uh, the retired racehorse training project, and you you're writing articles now, and you're doing videos, and you're doing clinics, and and stuff you always did, you know, before, but now. Uh, we're talking today a little bit about off-the-track thoroughbred training myths. 
and, and we're going to have you bust those a little bit. And uh, what, what are you going to talk to us about today, Eric? Well, I think the, the biggest myth out there uh, with off-the-track thoroughbreds is people make up for what they have in front of them um, based on their expectations from their horse. And unfortunately today, um, most people, they, the com most common rider has an agenda that they put on their horse immediately. Um, for example, a person may purchase a horse from a, the track and have high expectations of their horse, um, wanting to make it an eventer, a dressage horse, or a show jumper, and they immediately get right to training. And when they do that, they put these unneeded expectations on the horse, and the horse, I don't know about you, but anytime I'm told what to do on somebody else's agenda, I'm, uh, my hair goes up alone. So, mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, I think we really need to slow our world down, not just uh, for horses, but for just common courtesy of conversation. And uh, so Eric, I think that's what, oh, oh I'm sorry. No, I'm just I think that's say, what's so, missing in horse training today. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that there's nothing more important than having patience, especially with dealing with an off-the-track thoroughbred. So people get this horse off the track, and they're like, here we go, we got an eventer, and they just get right to work. What do you think that they could do differently as opposed to uh, kind of put their expectations on this horse and try to demand a result? What's a different approach that they could take? Well, the, the first thing you have to be aware of is look at the little steps first. Um, like the most uh, progress I get out of the horse is when I uh, gain their trust and they show their trust through their personality. But just the little things of just taking your horse out of the stall and giving them a long grooming with a curry comb can do lots of training steps. Um, instead of right away putting the saddle bridle on them and doing the work in the arena. Um, if you do the hands-on work off their back, um, a lot of the training on their back can be achieved as well. So I find that I, my success rate really increases when the horse basically knows who's taking care of them. Um, and that's, that's a big deal. And, and I, I totally agree with you and definitely guilty about shortcutting it. Oh, I'm in a hurry. We just knock off the saddle area, throw the tack on, and go. But you're right. For these off-the-track thoroughbreds, they need that kind of connection time with you, especially because not everybody can take care of their own horses at their house. They need that time with you because you're not the one maybe that feeds them if you keep them at a boarding facility. They need to know that you're the central caretaker to establish that trust. Would you say that's right? Exactly. And unfortunately today, you know, you have a lot of training gimmicks out there. And not that there's anything wrong with them. I mean, I think this great natural horsemanship stuff being put out there. But it's, it's patenting basically common sense. And unfortunately, we have to rely on somebody else patenting this common sense, and we're just swallowing it right up. And um, when you think of uh, the Pirelli uh, stuff, the natural horsemanship, it just forces us to take our time through several steps of, in training, and that's gaining the horse's trust. And even while you're on your horse's back, 
So you ask your horse to move forward off the leg, and because they don't uh, immediately, what are the steps that you do to get your horse to step off their, your leg? Or do you get frustrated and all of a sudden force is applied? And nothing, nothing gets accomplished through force. So breaking that down then, and I know this might be just getting a little simple on the whole myth-busting idea, but breaking it down then, what do you think, because I, I find that that's a common problem, obviously, with the off-the-track thoroughbreds, because they've never really had legs wrapped around them. How would you break that down and make it easier to communicate? Just well, moving I do forward. a lot of work. I do a lot of work in hand, um, and just them stepping away from the whip. Um, I like, even for the horse when I'm on their back, to step off of the air between my leg um, and the horse, not that I have to squeeze. So that's the general impression is, uh, of having the horse in front of your leg, that the horse wants to go forward. This is why I love the thoroughbred breed, because they're so wanting to work for us. It's just about how we ask them. So when on the ground, when I ask them to move forward with me with lead line, I don't want to have to pull them along. But if they move willingly and follow me instead of me pulling them, that's already the first step. How I go about doing that is maybe an aid with the, uh, with the, with the whip, um, just to kind of wave behind them, giving them a little pressure. And if they don't respond, a little light tap, and they will give you some kind of response. This, they may even get annoyed with the tap of the whip or the tap of the leg. But keep repeating the aid instead of kicking any harder. Because the horse is annoyed, he's going to want to relieve that pressure. So if you read the horse, and you, let's say you put your leg on and the horse pins his ears back, he's annoyed. Well, repeat the aid again and just tap him with the leg or the whip. And just keep repeating until you get your desired response. When you get your desired response, the aid stops. You could give them a reward. That's the breakdown of the whole idea. And once you become really unconscious about it, um, it happens so fast. Um, for me, it's quite natural because I've done this for a very long time. So for me, when I'm teaching it to other riders, I break it down to this point. Now I'm very conscious of what I do when I'm riding. Uh, yeah, and definitely I find that when you do put that pressure on, I, I, I tend to think of it as I'm asking the horse a question, and I'm going to keep repeating the question until I get the correct answer. Once I get the correct answer, I stop asking. And then how important yeah, is it at that moment? Right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm and sorry. How, Unfortunately, how, people with their expectations, what happens is they immediately they ask a question and they want the right answer. And a person without the expectations is going to be looking beyond that a little bit. They're going to be looking for the desired response, but they're also going to be reading their horse and taking inventory of how their horse reads them. Now, how important is it to have well-timed praise? And do, sir, do you find that thoroughbreds really appreciate the good boy and the petting, or are they more kind of aloof and don't really care about that kind of thing? I think that's a, it's an extremely important to reward them. However, you know, when you get your desired response, reward them. But after three, four, five times, you don't have to go crazy with the rewards. Just a simple stroke down the neck is, a, is uh, 
they're very receptive to that. Um, when people make too big of a deal with the rewards, the concept has already been lost. <laughs> you know, so sometimes when I hear out in the arena or at a show, good boy, and a slapping on the neck for five minutes, I think the horse is going, okay, what, what was it that I was a good boy for anymore? <laughs> and why are you hitting my neck? <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh, Eric. Yeah. That reminds me of the story my friend Donna, bless her heart, she would she was trying to teach her horse to jump and he was kind of a hot thoroughbred and every time he would go over a fence she'd oh my god good boy slapping his neck and everything and eventually she started taking lessons with me because she's like i don't understand why when i jump a fence my horse bolts yeah, and i'm like yeah, exactly let's Let's see what you're doing. And then, oh, my God, like, the horse was was trying to run away from her praise, you know, like, don't want my neck. And I just told her, like, you can't abuse your He doesn't understand that that's a good boy. He thinks you're you, just beating him in the neck. You know, it, there's, uh, there's another point about this, and not to get off the subject too much, but usually the louder the person is in the warm-up or on the course telling their horse is good boy, they're relieving the nervous energy that they have, that, and they just tell me how insecure they really are on the horse. And then it's a double-sided sword, though. I mean, I think rewarding the horse after you get the desired response is also a release of tension on the rider's part, too. So when I have a student working with a horse and they're a little nervous and they get just that little bit of improvement and not looking for perfection, but if the horse shows me a little bit of improvement and they, and they get that reward, the rider, when they get that pet, calms and releases that tension as well. So they feel like they're making progress instead of trying and trying and trying, and the horse is losing the concept of what they're being asked to do. See, I would not have thought that that would be an insecurity of the rider, but you're exactly right. And thinking about it, she was terrified to jump. So, so now I know when I'm in the warm-up and somebody's hooting and hollering, uh, I just know that they're scared. <laughs> yeah, usually I just tell everyone, I don't want to hear any emotions uh, as far as the jumping goes out there. Let's just play our game. And, and you know what? It trains you then to be more secure in yourself and not worry about what other people are thinking about their horse. I, there are so many stories I hear of somebody coming to an event and always telling me, oh, this is my horse's first event. Oh, this is my horse's first jump. Oh, this is my horse's fifth jump. This is my horse's twelfth jump. I'm like, when are you going to lose count? <laughs> 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 and basically, they're just telling me what you know, how insecure they are because they don't want me judging them. And, and that's a big part of training, too. You need to be comfortable with yourself and not worry about what other people are thinking and listen to your horse instead of what other people are thinking about you while you're riding. Okay, Eric, that, by the way, is the most, one of the, the most difficult things for a woman to do ever. So <laughs> that just opened up a whole new can of worms. <laughs> That could be a whole nother show. Exactly. That's what we'll talk about next time because as far as women, uh, and, and even me, when I ride, I ride by myself so much of the time, and I try to think of it as there's somebody watching me. 
It can be from a mile away, and then I feel like I work a little bit harder. I don't know why that is. I'm a woman. We can't fig- we can't figure ourselves out. Um, but it's but- not it's not just women. It's men too. Because I remember I went through a period in my stadium jumping that was so worried about what other people were thinking about my riding that I was just having rails left, right, and center until I and then then I would get even more emotional about it. And until I finally just uh, looked really deep into it and go, why, why am I so worried about what other people think? It's a beautiful day. I'm at a horse show. You know, there's starving children in the world, too. Why am I getting so stressed out over this? So in the long run, you ride for yourself. Ride for yourself. Gotcha. That, that, well said. And you know what? I'm going to end it on that because that was perfect. Uh, the perfect way to, to think about it. And Eric, I really hope you'll come back. And I know we were a little bit scattered uh, for this entire segment talking about getting the horse to move forward and then base, not, not over-praising and showing your emotion and then basically just riding for yourself. But I hope that you'll come back and, and we'll break these down even, even further. I would love to. Can I do a plug on a on a uh, on a clinic that we're doing? I'm doing a clinic at our at our farm in Tryon, North Carolina. Um, our farm's name is Renovatio Farm, and it's we're having on July 7th and 8th. We're doing private videoed lessons. Um, I would produce. Uh, I would produ- um, I would be doing a lesson, and I'm having them videoed by a good friend of mine who's a professional videographer and does really good sound to the video as well. So people could really see what they're doing on the horse along with instruction. And I've always learned a lot from my own videos and then taking accountability for everything that I do. So it's a really good opportunity. And that's July 7th and 8th at Renovatio Farm. And you can look up the information on my website. And that's Eric, um, ericdirks.com. Well, there you go. If you love listening to the Horses in the Morning gang putting in their two cents on horse training topics, you can tune in to Horses in the Morning. Just type in horsesinthemorning.com, and there's a play button right there for your weekday fix of all things horse. And if you want to find out more about Eric or find one of his clinics, just type in www.ericdirks.com. Don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's podcast has been brought to you by EquestrianCollections.com. Just like Horse Tip Daily brings the whole world of equine knowledge to you, Equestrian Collections brings the whole world of equine shopping to you and delivers it right to your door. Check them out today at EquestrianCollections.com and tell them Coach Jen sent you. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like to hear us cover on the show. You can subscribe to all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zune and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zune, or MP3 player. You can also listen to the shows right on Facebook. The player's right there every day. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. (laughs) 